0: Good morning, Tampa. How's it going, Mario?
1: Buenos dias.
0: Hey, what's JD. going on? For those of you who are just tuning in, you, you've got Down and Dirty on WMNF, WMNF.org if you're on the computer. And uh, we've got a great show for you uh, lined up for the next hour. And we've got DJ Spaceship joining us on the board, shaking those hands. We've got two great, intelligent guests, and I'll introduce them in a minute. And uh, Mario, what's going on this morning?
1: Well, I, I mean, I'm... Thankful and grateful that I'm here with you guys. I mean, I got a call about ten minutes to the top of the hour saying, "Hey, you going to make it." I said, "Yeah, I think so." Run I think late so. in traffic. Well, the traffic. I mean, the running late part. I wasn't too terribly late, no. although I didn't miss my. I, I did miss my mark leaving the house, but uh, Tampa's traffic, man. And we can we, we can do a series of shows on Tampa's traffic.
0: Well, it's related to everything, every every issue, everything we talk about when it comes to this community. Mario and, then, and then there
1: was that car in front of me. Let me just mention it right quick at the top. There was that car in front of me. He was
0: very confused. Yeah,
1: he was. He was conflicted. He, he, was, he was conflicted. He had uh, three Trump stickers on his vehicle, as well as a DeSantis Nunez sticker on his on his vehicle. Uh, a Prius, by the way. So I don't know what that means. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's all over yeah, the he's, mouth. He's, and, and again, Pennsylvania tags. Bro, why? Did, you spend him, why? did you send him any special signals of love? No, no, you know what I do in a case like that? I just looked. And when I caught his eye, I did it like a, you know, one of these, ha, 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 ha. I didn't point. I just, I just laughed. Well, what are you
0: going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Pennsylvania. So, on a sad note, uh, those Kansas City shootings, you know, the more I read about it, it's kind of similar to the Ebor uh, shootings that we had uh, teenagers, you know, with guns, you know, carrying out their own fights between themselves, and innocent people get get killed in the, in the
1: process. Uh, one of those that was deceased was a, a local radio personality, a local radio DJ personality, yeah. female. And, um, you know... Community leader type community, of person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I was listening also on the way in to Miss Amy Goodman, and she was discussing this with uh, one of the uh, parents of of the Parkland shootings. You know, and we celebrated, not celebrated, but we, we commemorated six years, right, Valentine's Day, six years, uh, that that happened, uh, technology. Can we talk about this for just a split yeah, second? In please. case people weren't listening, um, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty out there. So with AI now and the capability of using AI, what they're doing is they, they are setting up robocalls using the voices of the deceased. Oh, yeah, that were that. killed. I heard that, and they played one of them, and it's pretty impactful because you hear a voice from the grave, and it starts off with something like, "Hi, I'm Joaquin," and he and he says, "You know, I was killed six years ago." and you don't care and you don't care and you haven't cared since then and you don't care now because yeah. as things continue and, and i'm paraphrasing of course and but, he's calling the legislators and they're calling, calling the legislators everybody and yeah. they've and maybe maybe that's you know we we can have that debate about ai but that's possibly a super interesting and, and how do you and how
0: do you ignore a call
1: like that that well how do you ignore that I think and that's, keep going with you know just unlimited gun and they're talking gun, about hundreds of thousands access. of calls so that yeah. you know they're going to flood the phone lines with calls to not only legislators uh, legislators but citizens that are going to be voting we you know it's up to us it's up to us if we continue to vote these people in you know just know know the platform know what they represent man where are you on gun control where are you on on women's rights where are you where are you where are you, where are right. you? check the boxes vote them in vote them out vote them in yeah. don't and vote look them look for their NRA contributions a uh, big topic. We'll do that
0: another day. Sure, but, but, that's a heavy uh, lift. For those of you turning in tuning in, we got uh, down and dirty this morning. I'd probably we already just, I probably started. We already started I know, getting but a little I probably down and did little not, dirty. Did not say Mario Nunez. I just said good morning, Maria. And uh, let me introduce our guests today and our topic uh, today. Uh, I think we most people know the the term NIMBY, which is not in my backyard. That term has been around for decades and decades. Uh, somewhere like in the 50s or 60s, depends on who you listen to. And um, so I, I I was thinking about a topic uh, called uh, NIMBY and YIMBY. Now, the YIMBY movement, which uh, our guest will tell us a little bit more about in a few minutes, uh, is yes in my backyard, and it's sort of a response and a reaction to the NIMBY mu- movement. So uh, with, without further ado, uh, our guests this morning are Nathan Hagan uh, with an E, I saw... Uh, no relation to uh, the county commissioner. And uh, Nathan, good morning. Good
2: morning. Glad to meet you, Nathan.
0: How you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Pull that mic closer oh, to you and there, straight on. There, there we go. go. There you there we go. go. And uh, and and Keela McCaskill. Good morning to you.
3: Good morning.
0: And Keela's, uh well. You you can tell me what you are. You're like everything. But uh, Keila's a neighborhood activist. She's involved in real estate. She's involved in affordable housing. That's uh, how we met couple of years ago and uh, good morning to you.
3: Good morning. Happy to be here. How are you doing? Pretty good. Can't complain. I'm excited about this conversation. It's yeah.
0: And, and a few minutes ago, you guys told me that you two met. Uh, I, I sort of made the arrangement for the two of you meeting. How'd that happen, Anthony?
1: Matchmaker, matchmaker.
2: <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if we'll get into it, but um, you know, my journey on, on getting into this issue of affordable housing and housing for all um, started you know, in practice, you know, the rubber hit the road when I started emailing city council saying I was disappointed what they were doing. And, and to your credit, you were one of the first people who replied to me on, on my early emails. And, and I think one of your recommendations was you need to go to the affordable housing advisory committee meeting and, and share your ideas there. Um, and so I did. And, uh, Keela happened to also be there that day and we exchanged cards and, and had a completely different conversation. I mean, not a completely different conversation, but, um, uh, we, we started some, our own little friendship there from that. So it's been, uh, I don't know, almost two years since we've been working together on some of these issues. That's um, cool. So it was you know, small world. I mean, Tampa's a small town. In some it way. is. It is. You know, the big, in, biggest in, little
1: town in America, we like to say. In, <laughs> right. in, in Yiddish, they call that a shittick. I
3: like a
0: is a, Yeah, a is, a is a, a match made. Uh, when you know. make the match, it's well, a shittick. I love it. So anyway, uh, but for those of you uh, who want to give us a call and participate in this conversation, it's 813 813-
1: Mario, help me out. Here we go, 813-239-9663. You can always, always email us, dj at wmnf.org. And if you want to send us a text, which apparently a lot of people are doing these days because they just don't want to call and they don't want to send an email, you can do that at 813-433-0885. And I find myself emailing
0: less these days because you get so much junk email. And, and texting more. So yeah. it's, it's
1: an interesting. <laughs> and phenomenon. people will respond to texts. They won't. Listen, my own children, my two sons, they won't answer a call from the old man, but they'll text me back. I'll text you back. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm old school. I want to hear your voice. <laughs> You're doing better. I want to I... hear you say you love me. I don't want to see it in a text.
0: You're doing better than I am because when I text my son, I hope he's listening. Um And he doesn't answer within about five minutes. I start hitting him with question marks. Right? Question mark, (laughs) question mark. Nervous, nervous. Question mark, where are you? What's happening? What's happening? And my wife says, Leave me alone, leave Uh, me alone. (laughs) Got children to raise and that sort of thing. Anyway, um, Nathan, let's start with you. Uh, So I think you were from Tampa, went to Gainesville for a decade, and then decided to come back. So tell us a little bit about that and, and your journey.
2: Sure, yeah. So um, I grew up in the Tampa area, you know, not, not downtown Tampa, not south Tampa. I, I'm I'm sort of uh, in the— What high school? Uh, so I actually went to uh, uh, Dunbar Elementary School, Farrell Middle School, and Middleton High School. And, uh, right on. And I did graduate from Gaither, so I switched at the end. Um, okay. I can't remember anything about those last two years. It's pretty
1: years deep there, Tampa roost right there, Nathan. I, I, I think, I I think seen, we'll punch your card. I think we'll punch I your card. I think I've, seen, yeah. a I've yeah. seen a lot. I've seen a lot, you know.
2: Um, and my mom worked downtown when I was growing up, so I, that was kind of my experience. I mean, that, that in the school was my exposure to that. But at the same time, I, I, I lived in a very different part of Tampa where I, you know, I grew up in a single family home. I have, you know, all, all, a myriad
1: all. of friends, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. All, all. It, yeah. I, I mean, magnet schools. I was, these are all magnet schools. If people Correct. don't know. And, and you were uh,
1: living in Northern
0: suburbia. Uh,
2: yes. Yeah, so I was in, in a place that I would never go back to. Um, and,
0: uh, and, I'm telling your mother, <laughs> she, she knows, <laughs>
2: trust me, I'm, I'm trying to get her to move down here, but you know, there's just so few options. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I went to Florida. I left Tampa for um, you know school, and then I I worked at a tech company there, and then I started another one, and uh, and then you know our, my business is fully remote, and my my family's here in Tampa, and I, and I came back in 2017. So um, welcome back, welcome um, home. You know, I, I, <laughs> and how about housing?
0: How, what what got, got you
2: into this? I, I I never thought I'd come back to Tampa. I'm one of those people, um, and I think there's a lot of people in my demographic who who felt that way. You know, I I. I I don't want to toot my horn, but I I think I was, I've been pretty successful. And, um, I, you know, I, I thought the, you know, the world is my oyster, but family and, and circumstance kind of brings you back home. Um, and, uh, and I'm glad I'm here now, but since I came back, you know, there've been some things that I said, you know, I, I didn't want to come back for these reasons. And Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be here, I I, I need to go to work. I want, I want Tampa to be a place that is more like where I thought I would want to go. Attaboy you know and so that's what really has motivated me to get involved generally speaking but on on this issue you know of housing i mean i it, it's it's just gotten impossible i came out at a very bad time And 2017 was a was an interesting time i mean it's a good time in retrospect cuz it got worse but um for me it just didn't make any sense how how expensive housing was getting and how quickly it was at that time and then once i got to a place where i was looking at buying a home it just got worse and worse and worse and then every it month. smacked you in the face yeah every month it would just got worse and worse and worse did you and did
0: you end up buying something or
2: no i mean this is how dumb i am um I, I i gave up on buying a house and and started this chapter um because i said there's just no way that i'm going to win by buying a house um i i need Tampa to change for me to stay here and so this has really been a battle about me trying to stay in my community that i grew up in um and uh and i and frankly, buying a house is really stressful. Imagine doing, uh, you know, being a, a community advocate on housing, and then also going through that whole process. Anyways, it was like two years that we were looking at buying a house, and uh, we we finally I've, we found a place that we that we're renting that's worked out well for us. We've been very fortunate about missing some of the worst that's happened to other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and you but know, you're it, not building the equity and that sort of thing that you had uh, hoped. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, no, Yeah. Kayla. Yes. Welcome. How, So tell us uh, how you got into affordable housing and that sort of thing. I think you came out of
1: real estate per se, right? And Keila, do you have the same bona fides as Nathan? We need to establish (laughs) that you are also a tampeño, Tell us where you came so, from and all that good stuff. So
3: definitely from Tampa. There you in go. Fact, we want to hear um, that. Belle we want to hear all of that. Yes. Raised yes, in West Tampa for the most part. Good. But then my dad was in East Tampa. Grandmother, so I had six grandparents, and I had to spend time with them all. So West Tampa was with mom. Dad was East Tampa. Grandmother was Carver City. And the other set of grandparents is Port Tampa. So you South Tampa. You, so you had it covered. Yes. yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And so I went into lending. So Lenin was my background. So when the crisis hit in 2008, I went through about two years of watching. just a a misunderstanding of what was actually happening with the financial institutions. So I made a vow that I'll never be on an inside of an institution again by the next crisis because it happens all the time. I know there'll be another one, so I need to be out of here by the next one. Many
0: innocent victims uh, of the financial crash. The the institutions. Yeah tended not to suffer, but the individuals did.
3: And it was a lot on, on the end of misunderstanding because I was a, um, the AV, or AVP for the loss mitigation, but then it was in compliance. And so we responded to the OOC, OCC and any the other institutions regulating housing, right? And so it was a misunderstanding. So I said, I got to get out. I need to get out. I need to get out of the four walls of an institution, went out to become a realtor to help educate. Work for some real estate attorneys, went through the loss mitigation process and said, I think I need to do education. Because the same reasons I journaled during the crisis in 2008, I found to be the same reasons people were suffering loss and it will happen again. So I came out to do some education, which prompted me to not only sell real estate, but I wanted to be on the education side. So I established the Center for Economic Development, which is an organization that educates But then we need to be boots on the ground because the needs in the community is not being seen just on paper. So we're boots on the ground by doing cleanups and other initiatives to help raise the awareness of the needs so that the collaborative partners... To bring forward transformation will come, and my, that's what's my, happening. My
0: back is still hurting me from Uh-oh. that cleanup we did together.
3: <laughs> did I get you to sign a waiver? No I'm kidding. <laughs> but thank you so much. But that's no, what it's we had about. Good,
0: we had a good time.
3: So you would see the needs that's oh, in course. the community. So oh, when course. I come so you, say, I
0: remember distinctly that one that one family was, was sadly they were hoarders. Yes, they were hoarding on their front porch. They were hoarding, and they all around their yard, three sides of their yard, four sides of their yard, really. Yeah. and uh And you guys came in there to just kind of help and you know not throw away everything you know but but, uh, but, but help those people sort of get their life back to go before code enforcement shut them down, and they lost their house right I think that was a big part of what you're doing so so now you've sort of uh you' took that education and you're going forward into what?
3: So then the education was to to help, and then the outreach was to raise the awareness of the needs, which is whether it's, one, helping people stay in their home and age in place. So we try to get them in grants and improvements or owner occupy rehab or whatever those opportunities are, and then development. So taking some of the landowners in the same marginalized community so that they can be in provide a solution to the need of housing. So it's working with existing landowners right now throughout East Tampa. Some of them have some mixed-use, mixed-income opportunities to develop to help meet the goal Mm. for affordable housing.
0: And so you you help them walk, walk them through all the city bureaucracy, all the government stuff, uh, that is involved. Right. Because right. sometimes it's rezoning. Right. Sometimes it's just working with the the city's housing department and that sort of thing.
3: Right. And so some of it, the first I think the first six months was educating them on what they have, like mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. Stuff like legal matters. What happens if you die? You need a will. You need a succession plan. Who's going to take We need to teach them what property management is, what a joint venture is, what this process looks like. And then to your point. The bureaucracy that you get into, especially when it comes to land use, the rezoning. Do you have enough density? Can we get density? You and know, then, what I mean? and it's then like, the financing component. Which you have
0: expertise in.
3: The financing component, which is challenging, and I've fallen in love with Live Local because I think one or two of them is a perfect candidate for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so all of that is a part of what we're doing. Live trying Local
0: to do is the the statute that came out I think a year ago. Yes, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, thank you for all you do in the community, Keila. Nathan. Um, what always jumped out at me was, was this organization that you founded locally. And I think you're part of a national chapter. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, and
2: I don't even know. It, was, it. I feel like it was six months ago, but it might've been like two years ago or something. Um, you <laughs> yeah, know, we lost,
1: we lost time. Yeah. Like, like right. I said,
2: I, I was sending emails to city council about this issue and, and the conversations I was disappointed. I didn't see were happening. And I, eventually I got so fed up um, and I found uh, this national organization called YMB MB Action um, who, you know, I, I, I learned about the issue um, from their point of view and I agreed with a lot of sort of their objectives and takeaways and, and their vision for how we can address the housing crisis. And, I, and those were the conversations that, they were raising up issues that I felt like were not happen, happening locally, even in the, the existing affordable housing discussion, because um, there's other groups that are working on this too and, and we work right alongside them, but there are specific policy solutions that I was not seeing being promoted in the way that they needed to be promoted. And so, For example- Um, really more housing. I think there's a lot of discussion about subsidizing housing, which is very important. And that's part of our mission too. Um, you know, we have a lot of overlap with existing affordable housing advocacy groups, but I I think that there was not a, a consensus about like the political solution for getting more housing. And so that includes, um, you know, things like ending exclusionary zoning, which has, which is a multifaceted issue. Um, there's, you know, having, um, adding density and walkability, um, are are things that people were talking about, but there was not momentum towards a political solution to achieve those things. Um, funding transportation was something that was happening, but we weren't talking about the land use and housing component of that, um, and that was for me really frustrating. As somebody who really before housing, I was this was a transportation issue for me, um, and then it became a housing issue because to me those are actually the same issue. But housing exactly. just became yes. much worse yeah. um, in, in the in the uh, during
0: COVID. But don't you know we're in America, capitalism. You're not necessarily opposed to that, correct? Right. Okay. Um,
1: well, he can't say it here anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never heard you say it that. Um, but we could
2: have a conversation. But that's a whole yeah, uh, capitalism. It's another hour's umbrella.
0: Uh, I'm sure there's folks listening that might be opposed to capitalism, but mm-hmm. the, the reality is it's here. It's right. what our our nation yeah. has been built on, so so yeah. to speak. Um, but a lot of people would say that capitalism controls these things, that the market control, you know, whether or not we have more housing or less housing. Are you saying something different?
2: So, I mean, on a personal level, um, I'm very progressive. I'm very, I would consider probably very left-leaning, but, um, and and so I'm very pro-regulation and and capitalism. I think good capitalism has good regulation, but I think it's effective good regulation. And um, when we talk about the market and housing, housing is the most regulated thing that, probably exists on this planet. I mean, every single rezoning in the city of Tampa, goes before a five person body of elected officials Thursday nights, once a month, maybe twice a month to, to be reviewed and decided on in a discretionary manner. Um, and everybody has public input. There's a whole like book on everything that can be done with land in the city of Tampa. It, It is not a free market. So the idea that housing is, is a free market, like commodity today is a misunderstanding of reality. Um, we are in a highly, highly regulated environment, and I think that there are some regulations which are intentionally harming affordability of housing and some regulations which are, you know, by, by their effect, impeding our ability to create housing for all. I think
0: I, I've read a statistic that said something like, what was the percentage, uh, 85% of all residentially zoned land in the nation was it eighty-five or more? Um, was was zoned for single-family right. detached yep. single-family homes? Right. Basically, and for for those of you who are listening who aren't into the zoning world like we are, detached single-family home is kind of like your typical suburban, yeah. uh, leave it to Beaver, you know, setup. Yeah. Um every house has its own little yard, and and that sort of thing. I remember distinctly the first time we met, you brought some pictures to city council. To say, okay, here's a single family neighborhood, but why not put this triplex in? Right. in a, and the one you happened to choose was very arch, you know, nice architecture, um, you know, well-designed well yeah. looking triplex that perhaps could fit in with the character of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That kind of caught my attention.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's really the way that we regulate housing. This is what's wrong is that it's actually by how many stoves you have in the house. It's not about how many, what? How many stoves, stoves you stoves. have in the house. You know, if you go, if you talk to a builder, because I once was trying to build a house and I was like, I, there's a garage. I was like, can we make this an ADU? And they're like, uh. uh nope. Alternative
0: nope. dwelling unit, well, ADU.
2: Well, they they said actually, because there was already Don't a convert that garage. In, they said, well, you might have to remove the stove during the permitting process. Um, and I was like, that's interesting why. And and turns out that there's loopholes if you want to build, you know, these kind of illegal units. And there's a lot of them in Tampa. Um, but the truth is that the regulation is that you can have a home that looks like any single family home, but as soon as you put an additional kitchen in there, or you have these specific technical criteria for what makes a dwelling. And so like, you know, we can have the exterior of a multifamily home look exactly like the exterior of a single family home. um, But, but because of how we have written our, our planning rules and building rules, we can't do that. And so we have fewer homes and, and that's sort of like a, that's one facet of the single family housing issue. I think in the city of Tampa, um, it's, it's over 70%, 75% of, of the city of Tampa's land is zoned for single family only. And so if you actually look at, when we talk about triplexes, it's, it's really abysmal. If you look at the amount of land in the city that's actually eligible to be built as a triplex, which is the kind of missing middle that Tampa has almost none of outside of like historic Hyde Park um, and Ebor. And is, is there's like three percent, maybe two or three percent of the cities actually elsewhere for like what I, what I would consider traditional mixing middle mi- a missing middle, which is which by the way is the historic character of our most prized historic neighborhoods
0: like Ybor
1: and In West Historic Park
0: yeah. and West Tampa and and so. Um, but Nathan, um, as I did my research coming into the show, I did see some criticism of the YIMBY movement nationwide um, from. The minority, some minority communities around the nation, especially in California, uh-huh. where they basically said Yimbys don't care about poor people. <laughs> Yimbys only care about the millennials and the you know the middle class or the upper middle class. Um, you just want more affordable housing so you can buy that seven or eight hundred thousand dollar townhome, triplex townhome. Yeah, it has nothing to do with with helping, uh, you know, with with helping the lower income afford affordable. Uh, Kaleb, um, you know what? Have you heard that criticism? Do you share that criticism at all? Because you, you, you know, frankly, you work in the minority community quite a bit.
3: I've heard it, but because I spent quite a bit of time with Nathan since the time we met, I'm, I'm moved by what I'm seeing. Because one, some, one of the viewpoints that I'm not a nimby, but when it depends on what you're asking me. So I'm, I'm, I'm nimby for only single family residents in East Tampa. We have enough. We need some retail. We need some mixed use. We want you to fit that in there. And so, one of the things that Yimby did point out to the community that I'm serving is that you don't want all affordable housing in there either, because that limits your, you know, what you get in terms of tip dollars. And so, when depending on what you're asking me, I've I've learned a lot from Yimby. So I've joined. I'm like, a, I don't know if I'm honorary member or what, but I think I'm a Yimby because I do support what they're saying. I don't think that they're only concerned about. That demographic, I think they have a concern for all because you need more affordable, you need more luxury, and I think people need to be able to make a preference. Mm -hmm. Right now, Nathan, if he wanted to, his first choice, he can't have that. Right now, he would be on his second, third, or maybe even fourth choice in terms of what's affordable to him. So I think they're concerned about affordability for all, not just one
0: group. So, uh, Nathan, I'll I'll let you respond and rebut in in a second. Um, An interesting case study— a uh, hundred miles up the road, where you and I spent a lot of time, go Gators mm-hmm. uh, up in uh, up in Gainesville. Um, about, I think it was in twenty twenty three of twenty twenty two of August of twenty twenty two. Gainesville listened to sort of a Yimby movement. I don't know if it was called Yimby. I think it was called All for Gainesville or something like that. Yeah. Um, and they listened to that movement, and the city council, which was a lame duck city council. Uh, went ahead and passed an ordinance which basically said, eliminating exclusionary zoning in single-family neighborhoods, basically said that if you have a single-family neighborhood in Gainesville, by statute, by ordinance, we're going to allow duplexes and quads and triplexes to be built without a rezoning at all. Mm -hmm. Um, The first, and as far as I know, the only place in Florida that passed that Immediately, I think when when the neighborhoods that found out about it and heard about it, they responded, went down to city hall, went down to their voting booth, uh, got rid of all uh, all those councilmen, elected a different group of council members, and they repealed that ordinance within a year. Um, on day one, it, huh? On day one, on day, day one, right? Yeah. On day one, their first day in office. Yeah, because that's what they ran on. Yep. Um, it was an interesting response, and it kind of reminded me maybe of a conversation you and I had where I said, you know what, Nathan, I like your idea generally, but I think we have to be careful of where we apply this, because if we apply this in traditional single family neighborhoods, whether or not, Kilo, they're in East Tampa or West Tampa in minority community or in South Tampa and Sunset Park or in St. Petersburg and Shore Acres or those fancier you know uh, areas, that sort of thing that the neighborhoods will respond and, and react and, and rebound the way they did in Gainesville. It's a long question, but yeah. go ahead and respond. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of components. One is
2: um, just starting off with the, with the equity and, and racial justice piece of this, um, which I think is actually— oh, oh,
0: excuse me, one thing. By the way, in Gainesville, the black community, the traditional black community that was well-established— Yes. —also came out against that ordinance. They did yes wow. the old the, the the older black families said no we don't want your student housing we don't want your duplexes and triplexes etc they came out against it too which i thought was kind of fascinating i'm sorry
2: yeah i think um there's the bigger sort of equity just conversation and then there's what happened in gainesville and then um i'm just taking notes so then there's like the sort of the the single family home politics right um or like neighborhood association politics um I, I can speak of my, for the, on the equity piece for YIMBY, You know, the timing for me starting this chapter um, was there was a lot of stuff going on. I mean, this was also in sort of the heat of, of the post George Floyd moment. Um, I think that yeah, there there were probably valid criticisms about you know the people who started our national organization YMB Action in, in San Francisco and and you know almost a decade ago about what their demographic was and they were trying to speak for their issue, which was that they couldn't find housing there. Um, I can tell you the organization, whatever they were saying there, I wasn't there. Um, I think a lot of the critics also aren't there. Maybe some of them were, but um, the organization, the movement has matured a lot. Um, and I wouldn't be participating if it was a if if it was if I believed it was that way. Um, I think that if you go look at the um, the equity non discrimination plan for the um, Hillsborough Tampa Planning Commission you'll see that we have a long history of racist planning policies in the city of Tampa, which include exclusionary zoning. The reason why it's called exclusionary zoning is because it's meant to exclude people from certain parts of town. It's in the title. It's, yeah, I mean, it, to be it's fair, it's a rhetorical title. thing. You don't have to call it that. <laughs> yeah. But that's what single family zoning is. I mean, if you go and look at when we passed our first zone, our comprehensive zoning plan was in 1942. I love telling the story. It used to be, you can go back and look at deed restrictions in neighborhoods in Tampa, in Tampa from the 1920s and earlier. And in the deed, it would say, a person of color can never live here that's ever true. by law and there's
0: it, a neighborhood that's platted called swastika and, <laughs> and have you heard of that down south south of south tampa south of gandy that always concerned me and i think it's still on the books because it's part of the plat I, uh but anyway go i ahead. found
3: some in northview hills which is east tampa mm-hmm. go- same kind of thing same thing
0: yeah, yeah. it
2: it it was a it was a bad world uh, a decade or a hundred years ago, and sometimes we forget how bad it was. But the Supreme Court said, I think it was in like 1941, that that was actually not enforceable. That deed restrictions could not be used in that way. And lo and behold, two years later, the city of Tampa passed its first zoning, a comprehensive zoning plan. That was the way that we had that, and redlining were the, was the way that we enforced racial segregation geographically in the city of Tampa up until we've passed our first zoning code. And if you go and look at our first zoning code and the way it talks about our communities of color here. um, It's very clear that there was an intentionality, by the way, this, it was passed by the white municipal party of Tampa under a mayor named after Robert E. Lee. I mean, it's shocker. It's, it's, it's people forget about the history. And so for me, that was been, that's been a really important part of this, this journey in Tampa is understanding the history. Um, I mean, and maybe it's, I mean, I went to majority, you know, minority schools, my entire time growing up. I don't know if this is a unique thing for me as a, you know, a white millennial in Tampa, but I, I really hope that a lot of people are thinking about this issue right now.
0: Well, when um, you mentioned Middleton and you,
2: right, know, you yeah, are, yeah, I mean, you exactly. are a white guy. I, I'm very sensitive to the issue. I guess I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, and so I Good wouldn't be part you. of this organization. It seems like I felt- it's in
1: your DNA, Nathan. It seems like you've incorporated all of your life's experiences to lead you to this point. I- you know, it's fun. I mean, that's how life works, right? Yeah. Um, you don't,
2: nothing happens by accident, but anyways, I wouldn't be part of this organization if it was that way. Um, and, uh, and, and so I would just point people to the equity and non-discrimination, non-discrimination plan for the planning commission to see the history locally that we have, but also there's so many, I mean, segregated by design and, um, the power of, uh, the, the color of law are, are, other resources that I would really point you to to understand how our solutions are, are meant to address, um, issues of, of segregation and, and Jim Crow era laws that have never been reformed.
0: Um, so you, you've watched me at council. I tend to be a very practical mm-hmm. guy. Okay. Just like, okay. Those historical stuff is tragic. It's horrible. Yep. It's, it's this and that, mm-hmm. but here we are today in 2024. What do we do about it practically yeah. that can make a difference? And and I'm going to throw something out at you. Cause I talked to a developer this morning. I said, okay. Arguably, if Nathan wants to have single-family lots uh, available for a duplex or a triplex, let's say in South Tampa or over in comparable neighborhood in St. Petersburg or Sarasota or what have you, um, and then they get they get the approval or they have the approval through the code, um, and then they get built. And this has happened actually quite a bit in Soho, okay, mm-hmm. uh, on Howard off Howard Avenue in Tampa. Um, a lot of those neighborhoods transition from single family homes over the last 10, 15 years to duplexes and triplexes and quads. And they're not bad. You know, they're I, I actually objected to them because I saw a neighborhood going through a lot of transition. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I was a little bit wrong. They're not bad. Um could be better, but yeah, they could be better. Their design perfect. isn't much and, sure. and this and that. But you know, it do, it did create a lot of density in that area and ultimately could be a transit corridor. However, with that said, I was told by a developer this morning that, yes, when they, when they do get permission to do that, they don't build affordable housing. Yeah. The developers build the the triplexes and the quads, and today, this day, if it happened today, they'd be selling for, what, $800,000 yeah. $800, per unit.
3: Per unit. Yep. So
0: that's not affordable to any policeman, nurse, fireman, or uh, you know, city uh, councilman, city yeah. councilman, we <laughs> not go there. Yeah. Um, or, or folks who are really yeah. in need. Yeah. So, how is that a solution then? So, uh, it it's one. What have piece. we accomplished on, on a, on, from a community perspective and, right. a, and a neighborhood perspective? Uh, and a racial perspective yeah. and an equity perspective by doing that.
2: I mean, what, what I'm asking for, what we're asking for, is bigger than just ending exclusionary zoning, right? We need, if you go and look at it, and I would, I would invite everyone, I wanna promote this on the 29th, City Council is gonna have a whole workshop on our housing needs. Good. There's gonna be a, a presentation about a report done called the Housing Needs Assessment. And I'm I'm looking forward to what's being presented there. What time there. do they start? Um, it's a workshop, so it starts at 9 a.m. You can get public comment in the morning. I would love for people to come out and say how badly that we need to take action on this because I don't think that the urgency is really there. Right. Um. And uh. And and so we'll hear about the need, but like we need something like 50,000 new units. 50,000 units. Um. If you do the math on that, that's hundreds of new units per neighborhood in the city of Tampa. I'm just talking about the city of Tampa. Sure. Um. And uh. And so single-family homes to duplexes is not going to solve that in any amount of time. So uh, we need apartment complexes on transit corridors. Um, and there's a big project going on in the city. If you, maybe you've heard of it. Live, Grow, Thrive 2045. Um, and there's a lot of proposals in there that are also relevant to things other than exclusionary zoning. In fact, it doesn't really address exclusionary zoning at all. we lost in that issue. On is this, that the comprehensive uh, yep. comp- right. plan updates. Yep, the comprehensive plan update is ongoing. Um, YNB Tampa did not get Everything we asked for about exclusionary zoning and and especially on the racial justice side of things, it's not in there. I'd love for that conversation to be happening, though I also don't want to disrupt us getting progress done.
1: Let me remind everybody, if you're just joining us, where you've been? Uh, You're listening to Down and Dirty with Mario Nunez and John Dingfelder. Today we are discussing housing in Tampa, the city of Tampa, and its affordability or lack thereof. If you'd like to join the conversation, please give us a call at eight one three-2399-663DJ at WMNF.org. If you'd like to email us, text eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. What an interesting conversation we are having today. Multifaceted, multi-layered.
0: Yeah, Keila, what what what's your
1: take on this uh,
0: conversation so far?
3: Well, back to the question about the you know the developer saying that you couldn't put the affordable housing in that community. Well, that they don't. They don't because the dirt's too expensive. It makes sense. We need that housing for that buyer. We need affordable housing. We need mixed use. We need mixed income, and we need single family affordable options. But kill well.
0: it. Kayla- let me let me clarify what he said because yes, the dirt's more expensive. That lot in South Tampa is probably three four hundred thousand dollars now compared to East Tampa that still might be a hundred thousand or, or something like that. Yes, but he also said that no developer at this point in time they're not passing on the savings. So even though they were able to get three units on that single family property for three hundred thousand, they aren't passing it on to the to the prospective buyer. He said, that's just not the way developers
3: operate. And I think that's that, that's that type of a developer, right? Yeah. So if you're for profit and you're out there, you, you're going to make your money. And yep. I can't, I don't blame him for that. Right. But then there's some developers out there that is trying to meet the need, which is, I want to build affordable housing. So if an opportunity comes, I want to pass it along so there's more options. Some people are... Let's say they're sent to the work and it's more like a an organization or it's a non-profit, it's a call, it's a ministry, and some people are out there to make their money. And I don't see anything wrong with both. You need a combination of developers out here in this market. When you have a need for over 50,000 units, 26,000 of them need to be affordable. So I think you need everybody. So other than
0: you, there are other altruistic fo- <laughs> folks out there?
3: Yeah, I think there's some, good, there's some good projects out there and the developers have... They are making their money, but then there's some out there that's trying to like make a difference. Yeah. I, I think,
2: I that's think nice it's nice to hear. Th- there's a there's a part of this which is let's just, you know, maximize what the altruistic people can do. And um that's not gonna get us the number of units. We need that. That's an important part of it, but it's not gonna get us the number of units. Um, the technical component of this is very, very important. That's why the comprehensive plan is important, that's why the land development code is important. That's why our building codes, I mean, there's, there's really stuff like the double-loaded exits on, bu- on buildings make housing expensive. Like, there's so many reasons why housing is expensive to build um, that we should be looking at on a very technical basis. And so when you talk to the developer and they say, well, we, we wouldn't do that. It just doesn't, that's just not the business that we're in. We have an opportunity locally to make it their business. The city of Tampa and not even the mayor's office, the city council has ultimate discretionary power on what rules developers have to follow. And the fact that they say that developers can't build any types of housing in 73% of the city, except for the most expensive type of housing that there can be to build, which is single-family homes, um, it it raises the land values of the few parcels that are available for redevelopment. Um, It it reduces the competition. The 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 sort of the crazy rules around it make it so that there's actually a monopoly on development, where only really sophisticated developers can participate in the process. And by the way, those are the ones who are politically
0: connected. Um, let's and- talk about your mom for a se- for, <laughs> for a second. Okay. I hope you still have her, correct? Yes, yes. And is she still in the same house? Uh, they, yeah. I mean, yeah, they've been living in the same house for 15 years or something like that. Okay. So, and, and maybe this is not a good example, but you know, how would she and her neighbors in that single family subdivision up in North Tampa, mm-hmm. Northdale or somewhere like that? Yeah. How would they feel when the, when that duplex or triplex? you know, gets, gets built next to them. I I think there are a lot of, um, and, and, and also what's their perspective on their property value and et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of reasons why people say no. Um, besides the fact that saying no is really easy, which I think is kind of an underrated big one. Um, you know, everyone says no for a different reason. Everyone who says no, not, not everybody, but there's big reasons why people say no. They say no because of uh, neighborhood character they say no because of perceptions around property values. They say no because of concerns about the environment perceived concerns about the environment. Um, what is you know, fighting bad development is something I hear a lot about, and there is bad development out there. Um, you know, but climate resilience. Park, parking. Parking is neighborhood a neighborhood parking. Yeah, there's people have reasons for for their objections. Um, Can't get and, a fire truck up and down the street. Well, there's there there are good reasons to say no, and there's bad reasons to say no, which is something I tell neighborhood leaders I work with a lot. Um, I mean,
0: these are the things that we heard.
2: Yeah, and and I, I, it's a politically difficult thing to do. Um, you know, I I have to say that you know if people want to understand what our, our organization is really about, we're a 51 c 4 That means that we are politically engaged. We do endorsements. We will. Send volunteers out to candidates. We are, um, you know, we're a grassroots people-powered movement um, to build power and, and force the issue around housing. Our, our job is not to um, placate, you know, established powers that be that are not interested in, frankly, not interested in affordable housing. I mean, when I, when I go to a land use meeting and a bunch of people come and reject a, a, a something that would have made a unit slightly less affordable, it wouldn't have been, you know, affordable TM, and then they pat me on the back at the end and say, man, I'm sorry that you lost because we won today. Um, I, I totally agree with you about affordable housing, but, but this wasn't it. Like, okay, well, are you going to come out and, and support an affordable housing complex on that same parcel if it's 20 units or 30 units with five that are affordable? The answer is no. Um, people don't like change, and I get that. Yeah. But I, I really have to ask folks, and a lot of people are asking themselves this, especially if they have kids. They have, you have to step out of yourself for a second and think about the bigger issue. There's an entire generation, two generations now that are being completely left behind. Um, You know, people think that things are good because they got avocado toast, but they can't afford to buy a house. They can't afford, they they can't imagine settling down in a place like Tampa because Tampa has gotten so expensive. And when you go to the city council meetings and you look at who shows up to those meetings, it's not young people who are struggling. It's not single moms who who are going through a hard time. It's retired people who believe that you know, their $500 a month mortgage that they've had for 26 years is, is what affordable housing looks like and that they think it's attainable. And it's just a matter of keeping things how they were 25 years ago. And, and, and that's a mischaracterization for some people they may object, but I have to say a lot of the people who show up there either don't pay a mortgage anymore, they don't, they're not looking at buying a new house, or they, they, they're just a little bit out of touch. I think some yeah. people are just out of touch with the, the bigger picture here, which is that people are being
0: hurt. Well, I, th- I think you, you make some good points. Uh, you caught some heat uh, recently. I think in January you had an opinion uh, editorial, letter to the editor, whatever mm-hmm. they call it, yeah. in the Tampa Bay Times. And um, you made these, some, of, some of these same points as I read it. But you also, I think, uh, accused people in some of these suburban communities of still being racist um, I can't remember the term you used, but, but that seemed to be the insinuation. Um, you know, you want to, you want to step up and talk to that? Yeah, to,
2: I, I think if you go and look at our history and you look at but the But those inertia, aren't the same
0: people. They, they were not, not in the 1940. People. They might've been their parents or grandparents, but they're not the same people. So there's some new people, probably a lot of new people from, they came here from elsewhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you're still tagging them with with what happened in the 30s and 40s. If you're concerned about the issue, then you ought
2: to do the research and understand the impact of what you're doing and the policies that you are promoting and where they came from and, what again, what impact they have. And I'm not saying that this is the only reason why someone would oppose housing is because they're racist. I don't think that people who oppose housing are are racist. I haven't said that. But I do think that if you're going up there and going to bat for – what historically was a intentionally a segregationist like policy mechanism that we've never talked about or changed dramatically. I, it, it's worth bringing up and, and and grappling with. If you're the person who's going up there to bat for that, and you can apologize for it in, in line with saying, I want, I want good development. Um, but, you know, you have to live with the, your choices. And, and so, you know, if I was best friends with somebody who said something really bad, I would have a choice to stand up and, and, Call that out, or I could just ignore it. And Taylor th- would jump in on this issue.
3: Well, I think if if you know that it's intent, it, the an original intention for it was to it, it had some racial slants to it. If you know that that was the actual intention, and and not saying anything about it, silence to me means you agree. Mm-hmm. So if we're not addressing it, if we're not working to to address that, then I think there is some some you could be potentially seen as.
0: So even if it's the grandchildren or great grandchildren, uh they have perhaps not just an opportunity but a a, a mandate that they should help right that wrong.
3: To write that wrong. And, and and I think that's that's pretty much what the the uh the what is it, a op ed that's really it's talking about the zoning itself, not necessarily the people that's there now. Because you don't know the yeah. people, but the, the intention behind it initially was for that. And if you don't do anything towards changing it, then maybe you support those views because you hadn't said anything and intros, like I said silence intros. to me means that you agree
0: Mario the phones are not ringing today I'm surprised but you got to no I think <coughs> I think everybody
3: email?
1: yeah I think everybody's just listening and getting an education today All right. and it sounds like I wanted to make a comment a minute ago Nathan when you were talking it sounds like your mission in, in, and part of your mission in this is to get in good trouble John Lewis right yeah <laughs> to get in good trouble I mean that's yeah, what I was thinking when work, you were work, talking yeah. the whole time <laughs> It's like, look, man, I'm going to stand here and I take like this that. charge because I, somebody needs to. I want right. to work with people first,
2: but if you, you know, if, if you don't call me, if you'll never call me, if you're mad at me and, and I reach out and you don't want to call me back, my job is not to be friends with you. My
1: job is to make change and to make housing affordable for all. Right. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll echo that by saying that I, I think that uh, you know, for those of us that are older and despair a little bit because we see our beautiful city being you know rampaged in a lot of ways yeah. – Uh, The fact that you, young young gun, young lion, are out there on the the front lines, we appreciate the effort, brother, so keep it up. Let me read this email real quick. It says, good to hear the Live, Grow, Thrive being asked to include housing justice. The county on Wednesday is bringing forward an early vote on our community investment tax. The mayor defended the city's use and need of its portion from the half-cent sales tax. If the infrastructure is gone, no real housing projects can go forward. If the county has its way... We would have no CIT money. Really glad st- stood up to the county Wednesday. Perhaps the council will as well. I was told it's not their realm. Be creative, he says. And this is David Coleman. So I don't know if that fits into the conversation that we were just having. But maybe our guest can speak to the comment.
2: Uh there are a lot of things going on right now. Um, the CIT tax, the county comprehensive plan, the city comprehensive plan—they're different, by the all, way. You,
0: all for transportation uh, money. That yeah. Some of which might be coming back. Yeah.
2: The, he mentioned infrastructure. Um, I mean, <laughs> man, we could talk about it. I, I, we don't, I don't have, really, have enough time today. I know. Right? I, I know. If we had a six-hour show, maybe you we could go. cover a lot of these issues. But. Um, something I lo- just just quickly on the infrastructure piece. Something I love to point out is the city of Tampa used to be three fourths of the of the county population, and today is less than one third. Every time that we tell people they can't live in the city of Tampa and they have to go live in a swamp that we tore down and, and drained and built a bunch of houses over and cut down thousands of trees for, um, that that's us in the city losing power and agency to build transportation and, and to fund transportation to actually have people use transportation. Just something to think about. If you if you want transportation, you you have to be bought in on building more housing in the city of Tampa. Let me, let
0: me jump on that for one second. But over by the University of Tampa... Okay, back what we used to call Mario. What we call it, like the fairground area back in yeah. there, yeah, North Boulevard, yeah, and yeah. Rome and and there. Correct. If you drive through there now, you got six-story buildings, eight-story buildings. My goodness,
1: University of Tampa complex doesn't I mean well, is UT
0: it, is a whole another thing, but but it, yeah. but that back what would that be west of slightly west of UT? Yes, all those neighborhoods are are building up. I I think it's great because it it is walking distance to Kennedy Cypress. Uh, Kennedy. I live, I live in that neighborhood, by the way. Yeah, Kennedy will be a. Uh, you know, a transportation corridor, uh, if it's not already. But when you build a building like that, okay, and I always advocated, let's let's go vertical. Yeah. Let's go vertical because I don't think we're going to get ourselves out of this by doing duplexes and triplexes. With all due respect. Yeah. Right. No. It's, I think we have to go. It's part of it. We have to it's, go it's vertical. It's we have solution. to have larger buildings. We have to find appropriate places for them. When yep. we build one of those buildings, you got a hundred units or two hundred units right away. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have arguments in every single one of these neighborhoods to put in the alternative dwelling units and to make yeah. your neighborhood triplex and to be very, very very disruptive for what? For 10 or 15 or 20 additional units. Right. Let's not fight about that. Let's just figure out a p- places where we can put in these 100-unit buildings, you know, out in the parking lot of Britton Plaza. Maybe Britton Plaza doesn't need that much parking anymore. Um, you know, that. that's just an example. Yeah. We have – and plus – that what's the statute last year from the from the state? What was it called? It live local. Lo-
3: Which one? Yeah, live local. Oh, live local.
0: Right, live local. Part of live local was basically to tell local government, right, that that uh along those corridors of commercial, okay, that they could build multifamily. Isn't that part of live local?
3: It's a part of live local, but not only that, the affordability piece of it. So they'll give you an incentive. I think it's up to seventeen million dollars per project. Yeah. If you mix in over forty percent, which a lot of people don't want to, you know, the whole forty percent affordable housing. But if you're is to do affordable housing and you get enough of the incentives, I just believe that you can do it. That's an Particularly,
0: incentive package that's important right. to all this, right?
3: Ex- exactly, especially if you're using people that owns the land already. Mm-hmm. So if you're using existing landowners, the property is blighted. It's a long. Just use Nebraska for example. Nebraska has lots of opportunity. You already got the re- uh, bus rapid transit. It's on uh, on Nebraska it's from MLK. or entryway to downtown. You're from downtown, your entryway or yeah, entryway into East Tampa, it's a perfect opportunity for that. So I don't see why we're not utilizing mixed mixed efforts, if you will. So your nonprofits, your for profits, your um, the people that want to use live local, the people that want to use incentives from ARPA, wherever the money can come from, we need a combination of people building single family, mixed use, ADUs. I don't care what you build. All of it is needed mm-hmm. right now when you have a deficit of over 50,000 units and 26,000 of them needs to be affordable. We, we have a need here.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. We talk about exclusionary zoning because I think that there's a lot of reasons why that's important, but that is not going to solve this. I, I think we talked a lot about solutions today. And again, we could talk for hours about solutions, but I, I hope that the listeners understand the problem. Um, the problem is so humongous we're gonna find on the 29th to solve for the city to solve this problem with money from taxpayers it would cost them something like six to eight billion dollars we're not going to get that it's 50,000 units
0: we have 150 people moving well, that Tampa number Bay. would what you're saying if the city built the units right yeah which they're okay. not but but if, if, if that's it, not the role of government really
2: well People act like it kind of – they want the city to build all the affordable housing with the money, but they think that $50 million is going to build 26,000 affordable units. Where did public housing
1: out, come from? Public housing, where did that come from?
2: I mean that's, a, again, another hour-long conversation. Hasn't but,
0: been a great success, but, but, partial
2: yeah, success. Yeah, and there's a lot of history there. But the, um, the scale of the problem is just so huge that we cannot look at, at exclusionary zoning and saying that's going to solve the problem. It's not. Right. We can't We can't look at, at saying we're going to build up towers on Kennedy and that's going to solve the problem. It's not. We had 150 people moving here every single day to the Tampa Bay area every single day for the last decade. That's, ever, that's in a new large-scale apartment complex every two days. Right. Um, we are not completing two large apartment complexes every two days. And that is, we have a deficit that is now 50,000 units today and we're still growing. So what's the deficit going to be in 10 years? It, the scale is so
0: huge. And the elephant in the room is... <clears throat> when we don't accommodate them within the city of Tampa or within the city of St. Petersburg or yep. whatever, then they overflow, Yep, you know, down into Manatee, up into Pasco, over into Polk. Add to traffic. Add to traffic, which is where we started
1: today, Mario. <laughs> we've and gone full circle. And, you know, I had just, my blood pressure had just <laughs> retained, uh, attained normalcy.
0: But we do. We end up with with sprawl.
1: Yeah. And and, 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 and I was
0: studying and, and learning about sprawl 30 years ago, and tragically we've haven't gotten a whole lot better. We're
2: We've gotten actually worse. gotten worse yeah. when it
0: comes to sprawl. That
1: statistic is frightening. You said 150 people.
2: Look at the census numbers. Almost 150 people per day in the Tampa Bay area.
1: Have mercy. Yeah. Since yeah. what, 2017? Since was, I would
2: say since 2010, I think is that.
1: How many oh, receipts wow. can you put in the shoebox? I mean, that's a metaphor, but I mean, how many people can we just keep a lot cramming more. in
0: here? A lot more, but we choose not to. So we're wrapping up. Uh, uh, Keela, tell people how they can get in touch with, with you uh, safely for you um you know in your organization and that sort of thing
3: yes so i'm keila mccaskill on facebook my number if you want to text call 813-683-1221 that's the center for economic development we have an upcoming cleanup in east tampa on april 13th at tampa bay federal credit union send me that text we'll start there and then we'll go out to the homes tico will be present um some of the the city efforts will be there where we'll go out and try to help clean up some of those communities so if you want to be a part want more information again my number 813-683-1221 and
0: that's a component too to keep people in the homes that they want to stay in yes they don't want to sell they don't want to leave they right. want, you know and that goes into gentrification which is a whole nother hour too <laughs> yeah. uh nathan how do folks get in touch with you and, and yimbi tampa yeah so i want
2: to plug again on february 29th city council's gonna have a big workshop go watch that um you can learn more about our organization at dot and uh um we can reach out to us over email there and
1: so all the socials Mario what a fascinating conversation today huh and and as usually happens here the hour just it evaporates Oof. Yeah. Oof. so so we will extend the invitation to come back maybe in a couple 3 months we can do an update and see where you know if any progress has been yep. made and we can continue to pound the rock as we like to say here on down and dirty because brother we have a lot of needs our fair city has a lot of needs, and I think you guys you know, illuminated one of the biggest ones today. So we got to go vertical. We got to put our big boy pants on, and we got to build. Got grow up. Yep, we got to grow up. Listen, for all of you that uh, were listening today, and we know you were out there, and, and the emails that we received and the callers that didn't want to talk to us but that did call it. They in didn't we, want to interrupt. We thank you. No, we had a good flow today. We yeah. had a good flow. Nathan, Keila, thank you so much for coming in thank today. Thank you. You've been listening to Down and Dirty. My name is Mario Nunez. Thanks again, John Dingfelder, for leading us through this conversation. We'll see you next week. It'll be fundraising week, so get your contributions ready. Salute and happy days. You've been listening to WMNF. <laughs> 88.5. <laughs> Live